And in those instances where, where especially when the couple is on the same page, I would say, one, I will celebrate that there's mutuality in that belief system. And I think if it's an obligation, you are going to get duty sex. What we find in our office is when people present it as a duty obligation or it's owed, if that's the card you play, that's the outcome you get. Because that's what you've asked for. I think people want to ask for the obligation and get some other outcome. How complex our sexuality is. Um, and I think we can get so bogged down by the process and the work and all of it. And I think when you can reframe, like, it's, this, it's such a privilege and an honor. And it can be actually kind of fun even in the process. We are two unique female professionals and friends that have come together to have meaningful conversations and a little fun along the way. Welcome to the Arable Podcast, where curious minds grow. I'm your host, Jenna Mountain, and I'm your other host, Kimberly Galindo. Hey, y'all. Welcome back to our final episode of our six-part series to fall back in love with your sex life, where we have unpacked a lot of concepts, um, lot. but specifically using the concept map of the continuum of lovemaking and talking about a variety of intimate encounters and that will help your marriage flourish. And so today yeah. we're just, we're wrapping it up, trying to kind of put a bow on it, if you will. Um, we have some listener questions that we're going to respond to and just share some final thoughts as we um, wrap up this series um, that's hopefully giving you a new perspective and some, some language and a concept map on, um, you know, some, the complexity of sex and marriage and, um, how it can really be a lot of fun and bring a lot of joy. Um, but we also know is a lot of work. Yeah. So let's recap the categories. Uh, remember this continuum of lovemaking or continuum of involvement in lovemaking is on a scale from zero to 10. Zero to one is pity sex motivated by guilt and frustration and pushiness pouting or punishment is what we'd like to talk about in this one um trying to avoid conflict again it's not about intimacy and typically uh results in resentment two is duty sex the marital obligation meeting the sexual needs and or desires depending on what you believe of the other or higher desire spouse. So, um, also in my opinion, I think leads to resentment, but, um, does it, it doesn't foster true intimacy, uh, because it's the embrace of the obligation rather than the embrace of the other human experience and where your differences may lie. So, mm -hmm. um, it's, it's not great. We really want to keep people out of pity and duty sex for, healthy, flourishing marriages and sex lives. Um, three to four, my low key favorite. I don't know. Is it low key anymore? If I keep talking about it, I don't think, it's, <laughs> I think officially high key favorite <laughs> is nurturing sex. Not because it's the best, you know, as far as intensity, because then this is an intensity kind of spectrum here. Um, but it is the honoring of what I would argue. And we've decided on arable that is actually, the desires 
of both partners. Mm. Yeah. Which is really cool. Um, it's, it's not only willing, I think the best form of nurturing sex is an embracing where participation and pleasure um, maybe are at lower levels than other parts of the spectrum, but they are still present. Mm -hmm. And it is more about a human to human experience where we have congruence and differentiation. And that's what I love about this one is it, it demands it um, in order to be able to achieve it. And so um, nurturing sex five to seven is, is what um, the model calls connecting sex, warm, slow, playful, and tender. Again, lots of variation can slide across the continuum. Um, but this is where, you know, for you and I, in our anecdotal experience, we said to, to kind of add to and texture what the authors have offered here is I would say this is where people are more, a little bit more naturally on the same page, which is what makes it different than nurturing sex, um, which is highlighting differences, but differences being okay. Connecting sex is about a little bit more. Um, being in the in the a, a more similar place, not the same place, because we still have um, assertive um, kind of desire and responsive and desire and things like that at play and differences. But we are we're more in a similar place. Um, there is a higher level of participation and pleasure generally um, than in the uh, nurturing phase. And as the author quotes Barry McCarthy, um, good enough to great sex is the majority of the type of sex we have. And so, you know, most of us are hanging out most of the time in your average, common, healthy sexual couple between three and seven. And so that, you know, between connecting and nurturing is where we spend most of our time. And then the last category is... Um, passionate sex, which is eight to 10, which is defined as more intense, um, more focus, more time, typically more orgasms. Also we added more investment, intentionality and intensity. That's what shows up here. Mm -hmm. And so it is like just the big more category, but it's super fun. It's at the top end of the scale as far as the intensity of involvement um, and experience. And, and this is just a really helpful concept map. All right. Yes, it is such a, it's a helpful concept. It's not perfect. A, not the only, yeah, such a helpful concept. Yeah, no. And we'll do, you know, this kind of our, our expertise. So we're going to talk a lot about sex on, on Arable and the, the times to come, but this is one that I think is such a great one to, to do a series on because I think, um, again, I think I said this in the first episode, language is so helpful, words, concept maps, you know, to be able to have conversations. So it's so good. Um, we have questions. What we, do we do? We, uh, we got pushback. We got questions. Yeah. We have, um, mostly curiosity. Appreciate that. Yeah. Um, yeah, which is great. we got some great questions, um, on Instagram. We had, um, put out a, a a post for you guys to to ask, and 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 you did. You showed up. Thank so. you for participating. Yeah, yeah. So, what do we have first? Um. Okay. This is a good question. Um. If we understand that eight to ten sex generally 
I, I put in the word generally, generally needs um, investment and resources and time and energy. If, if we find ourselves in a place where we just don't have a lot of extra of that, so we're talking about lacking margin in this question, um, what should, what should we do? Um, it's a good question. It is a great question. And I think a very a fair one. And I think, um, I mean, I don't, <laughs> don't know anyone, so I have to assume, but you know, I think like I, I hear that, uh, we really want to do this how, you know? And so I think, um, yeah, we don't know the reasons they don't have those things. It could be the pandemic. It could be a stage of life. Yeah. It could be some other life challenge or tragedy or whatever. So, mm-hmm. So I think, you know, I think a lot of, some of it comes back to um, sitting down together and talking through what is available and, you know, and then I think sometimes that helps you get creative. And so we're, you know, we've, we've talked a lot about, I think about eight to 10 is vacation sex. Right. And, and, you know, sometimes it's like, I don't, for whatever reason, the vacation is not a reality. And so what does that look like? And so it, you know, um, naming the barriers, if you will, if it's like, oh, it's childcare. Well, okay. Are there creative options with where the kids could go and you yeah. stay at home? And, you know, if it's a, it's a fiscal investment, that's the, the barrier and paying for childcare is just not an option or you don't have family around. And I know that, um, especially during the pandemic, some of it was like, oh, sure. I could, it's not even paying the babysitter. It's, it's the safety of that for a lot of folks. And like, we are going to be creative and we've pot, we have a little COVID pod. And so I know I've heard a lot of those creative options um, over the last year was, but as we, you know, come out of it, I think just, it's going to come back to dialoguing and and what, what naming the barriers, what are they? um, And what feels feasible to remove. And then I'll also say that sometimes, you, you go, oh, great, we've came up with a solution. And then sometimes there is grief and that is just not available for us right now. Yeah, I think that's where my mind went. So I'm glad you went to the other, like, hey, let's make sure we're really getting creative and not, I don't know, inhibiting our opportunities or missing some because, I and maybe this is just my experience coming out of the pandemic myself on so many other fronts. Like there are just things that like we can't have in certain seasons. And I think the optimal is that we have this balanced diet of all of these healthy, adaptive, helpful, connecting options. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if we covered this in the, I don't think we did Kimberly, but like you don't have eight to 10 sex all the time. I, I don't, I don't, you know, the author doesn't say that the author, you know, invites us to like explore, like how do we get to eight to 10 sex? But I also don't want to like idolize eight to 10 sex most sex is between three to seven on this continuum. And so I want that to be validating for the person, um, this person who's asking like, Hey, we're having a really hard time finding this. I think that's the point. So actually Mm -hmm. I want to celebrate that you guys probably get it. Mm -hmm. You get the concept. Now you get to figure out how to prioritize that. And maybe what, what, I would like to invite this person and anybody who identifies with this to consider is have you placed some type of standard of how often that's going to be in a season where it it can't be that often. And I'm not going to name that number. Like we're not going to go there, but like when you look at like the Penner's formula for intimacy, like little staycation weekend getaways, 
they encourage you to shoot for once a quarter. Like this mm-hmm. is not every month, right? Mm-hmm. Um, vacations are annual. So we're, we're actually asking you to live in the three to seven. So as you consider the hurdles that are between you and the eight to 10 experience, I also want to affirm and encourage that most of your experience has been three, three to seven. So, you know, um, allow yourself to feel validated that it it is not easy Mm -hmm. to make it happen. Yeah, for sure. That's great. Yeah. That's a good question. Um, we got several questions, um, about if kind of, if sexual pain is a part of Mm. the experience kind of what do we do with that? You know, cause you and Stop I, it. we've <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. I mean, not really. <laughs> we've uh, talked a lot about, I mean, that's a lot of our kind of subspecialty within sex therapy. So, um, and we mentioned it in the series. And so we got, we got a few questions about like, okay, so this really is a part of our story. Essentially other y'all, y'all said don't continue to have pain, sex, painful sex and find the, you know, what is available, but like you mentioned that there are some things to do, like what, what is that? And so the, I mean, I'm, I'm summarizing cause we got, we got several questions yeah, yeah. kind of in that direction. So, um, I'd, I'd love to respond to those cause we both care a lot about that issue. Yeah. My heart. Um, I, you know, I, I wish that I had like no energy barriers because I would just probably work hours and hours and hours with these couples. Cause I love, mm-hmm. I love working with them. Um, some of my answer might feel unhelpful, which is like, it depends, right? So the type of pain, mm-hmm. um, you know, if it's, it's a very specific pain that only prohibits certain behaviors, then I would say do everything else, you know? Um, so uh, one example is some women only have pain upon penetration, but other genital play is like a hundred percent pleasurable, fun, can still achieve orgasms. And so I would say revel and roll around in what you have and, um, give yourself permission to take what typically ends up being a long journey for most couples in exploring and addressing the other pain. Um, for some couples, you know, it's a pretty, in rare cases, there are some really great, easy, quicker fixes. That is not the most common, but I don't want to act like that's not out there. Um, there are some great tools like the O-Nut that helps with, you know, creating a little bit of a barrier so that, you know, the deep thrusting is not hitting, you know, your cervix and things like that. Adjusting with a pillow and propping because there's, you know, just the way your unique body was made and if you have like a tilted uterus, um, again, if penetration is the, you know, the activity or behavior that tends to bring about pain like that, you know, a lot of couples can still enjoy oral sex and manual stimulation and a lot of genital play where you were just not penetrating. So, And honestly, if like all we care about penetration, one, I'm going to go ahead and put out there that's a little porn informed because porn is so focused on penetration as like the, the end all be all your whole body Mm -hmm. is a 
you know, playground and wonderland for sex. And so, um, we, we should really get out of the box, (laughs) like have fun, Mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. Um, and, and again, if the clitoris is still, um, on the table, as far as a pain-free activity, most women need direct clitoral stimulation to orgasm. And so like, you still have a ton of fun. I think it, I think a lot like with desire discrepancies between couples, uh, is, is true between the activity discrepancies between mm-hmm. couples who experience pain and couples who don't. It's the meaning making that we make about those differences. That is sometimes the most powerful part of this than it is the actual, what, what we can't do in this season. And I say this because I, I wouldn't want you guys to stay there forever. I'd want, you know, if I were working with you, I'd want to help with that. And then I'd say, get in touch with, so like stop wiring together pain and sex. That, that also Please. applies to emotional pain, right? When we yeah. talk about trauma, we'll go there in a second. Mm-hmm. We've got questions about trauma. But like what fires together, wires together. We don't want sex to be associated with pain in your brain. And so refrain from painful activities. Enjoy, roll, and revel in all the ones that you can. And then get in touch with the right help. So let's layer that answer. Um, and let's kind of talk about what each person would do. Okay, so you have your medical doctor's. Uh, sexual medicine is a specialty. So you want to go to like the pelvic pain networks and the sexual medicine networks and networks like Ishwish um, and look up their directories of who is associated in sexual medicine. Just because I understand sexual organs does not mean I understand sexual medicine in the process. So not all urologists and OB-GYNs and gynecologists understand how to direct and sometimes they do. They do more harm than good. Um, our favorite medical professional to be the first stop are pelvic floor physical therapists, um, when it comes Mm -hmm. to painful sex, because they actually two things. One, they're going to appropriately assess you for, for your painful experience and contributing factors. And two, if another medical referral is needed, they are fantastic at knowing in the area who has that training and who they trust. So we like those, those folks. Um, your sex therapists that work with both in individual counseling and in couples counseling. And so your average therapist at best and in the state of Texas, it's not required, has not had a course, a single course in sex therapy. Why the state of Texas has not added that as a requirement is beyond me. Um, but, um, So just don't assume because they're a mental health professional, they understand sex. Don't assume that if they're a marriage specialist, that they understand sex. That's another one that I, you know, and I love those guys. Some of them are brilliant, but that doesn't, you need to ask, you ask questions. Like what is your experience and training in sex? Um, Your mental health professionals that are trained in sex are going to be the ones um, who kind of get, um, probably have the most training to help with the relational and mental health side of this, um, which is a big piece, right? I mean, mm-hmm. we've talked this whole series about all of the things that get underneath um, these beliefs and approaches and our posture and our the way we talk and the way we connect or don't connect and attachment. I mean, there's, there's plenty um, in our bucket. Everybody wants to make it just physical, but there's plenty in our bucket that become contributing factors. Um, and then we have those who coach, 
Um, again, I would ask about their training uh, on two fronts. One, you know, <laughs> coaches sometimes just like to teach from their personal experience. And while I, I, I have a category of value for that, like mm-hmm. that can have limits. We shouldn't teach our own sexual experience mm-hmm. as the standard because there's a lot of variety of healthy sex out there. Um, but coaches where that is, where therapists and counselors can do some coaching inside of therapy, the difference with coaching is they cannot do what is relegated to just therapy and counseling, which is getting into like some of the deeper uh, wounds and past and traumas. And uh, generally speaking, therapists and counselors look to the past to see what's in your way presently and coaches are looking to strategically train and equip you to move forward. So both are great. We like both. We do both. Um, that was my very long answer on sexual pain. What would you add? Yeah, I think, um, I just want to encourage that there's, there's hope, um, while holding with those struggling with sexual pain, that it is a journey and it can be a very long journey with no guaranteed timeline or what specifically exactly will work kind of formula. Um, but there's a lot of hope. There's a lot of really well-trained professionals that can help you getting to them and, and the right ones to Jenna's point is, is part of the journey, which can be frustrating, but I just, I know that like, I just, I just know this issue and, um, not a lot of hope is lent to this, <laughs> type of struggle. And so I just want to lend it. And we've walked with plenty of stories where it's just been, it's been a really cool, sweet healing. And so, um, that's possible. Um, you don't, you don't have to just kind of accept that, you know, this is it and there's nothing to do about it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, next question I've got, we got lots of questions along these lines. And so, um, I'm gonna kind of summarize it's just a general question of, uh, you know, if, if we're aware trauma has invaded our relationship and specifically our sexual experience, like what, what do you suggest? What are the first steps? Mm-hmm. Give us a rundown. Yeah. Yeah. Um, a little bit to a similar response that I just had about sexual pain, you know, it is a process and you want to find the right professionals um yeah to help um not all I'm thinking specifically in the mental health space not all mental health providers are trauma-informed um even if they have a specific form of trauma therapy that they conduct or do sometimes that is not nuanced and so um and I don't say that to discourage anyone. I just want you to be thoughtful as you pursue help. But this is one of the ones where I think reading um, it, a book or even just listening to a podcast is not going to be a guide enough. It can be very helpful, but not guide enough or healing enough to um, help couples where trauma has shown up in one way or another in the sexual experience. And so um, trauma, gosh, it stomps all over the sexual experiences of people. And I, you know, I'm one to jump right in there and sit in the well and just grieve that with them. 
um, lend a lot of hope um, with reality that it, it can take quite a while to heal and typically takes a kind of a, a very customized, comprehensive approach, which is, you know, a specialty that we have coined and built our, you know, work to implement because it's complex. It's very you know, complex. and it and it's um it's again I think we talked about this and you know we we did talk about this in the series where it's just I think that we have this idea that like it's just sexual trauma that would affect um sexual intimacy or the sexual uh, experience and it's attachment trauma or adverse life events you know professional woundings and traumas and so but um when we look at specifically just those you know, family of origin or sexual abuse or uh, neglect trauma wounds um when we look at those specific types of experience um childhood um sexual assault neglect some of the bigger ones i yeah. think um usually a combination of individual and couples work um needs to happen oh, to yeah. kind of address the um, the trauma wounds, and then help the couple learn what to do in a season of healing and in each phase of the, the process, and then learn what to do, um, you know, once some things have healed with their sex life, you know, which is kind of, here's the the news that not all folks love to hear, but like working on your sex life is kind of the latter part of the work. You're going to do a lot of foundation before you get there more stage three yeah it's more more of that third final stage of trauma healing um but lots of hope i've lots of good stories are running in my head right now of folks that have just done the work and it's just been so impressive like what humans are what humans have experienced it just breaks my heart but then what we're capable of and what god can do in people's stories is just incredible it's incredible so um yeah i think find a trauma-informed individual therapist a trauma-informed couples marriage therapist um ideally a sex therapist who's uh, trauma-informed um and then yeah start there and i think um to you know you can be well on your way to starting your your healing journey the only thing i'd add is same rules with pain Mm -hmm. this is just emotional pain rather than physical pain sometimes it's both but what fires together wires together and you, you don't want to wire yourself with the trauma that has presented itself in your relationship and your sex life with your spouse. Yeah. Oh gosh. And you, you just got to do the discipline of keeping that in the forefront because it does feel like, I, I think people get pretty um, desperate at times mm-hmm. and they're like, okay, we just, we've got to do something. I've got to have something. And it's like, if you move too fast, what fires together, wires together. And you don't get to like, you don't get to set the terms of, well, I just don't want your trauma or her trauma or his trauma to show up. We just need to take a break from the trauma. And it's like that. It's just, um, yeah, that doesn't work like that. No. Next question. Okay. I've got one. Um, we knew this was going to happen. <laughs> we knew we were stepping into a space. And so we've, we got several questions about, you know, basically reflecting that we have put out that sometimes you have to stop. Sometimes you have to stop something for a while. Right. Um, so this idea of like, what about in scripture where it says only deny each other uh, sexually, 
under these certain circumstances outlined by scripture. Some people pulled from different things, but um, basically either during her menstrual cycle, the week of her menstrual cycle, or for prayer and fasting, that got cocktailed with some of, you know, Paul's writing in scripture about you, you guys should make each other available to each other, you know, so this idea of, of not owing, which we kind of pushed on. So we knew this would happen. <laughs> Very often does. Um, yeah. Your, your, your response. I think, again, I, I am no one's uh, theological expert or pastor. That is not the role that I play. Um, I stand as a person who has spent a lot of time looking and studying how God has created our sexual experience to be Mm -hmm. and sitting with relationships where that's not gone well and then it has gone well. And so I would say that if you are stating that it's an obligation, um, a duty, a mandate, a need. I mean, mm-hmm. there's a lot of words there and they, they're all different and they're all similar and they can kind of have the same heart posture. Um, and then you have very variation of heart postures. You just believe that. Right. And trying to be gentle about it. I, I think that's out there. Yeah. I think there are folks that believe that and are trying to be gentle and just really do what they believe is, you know, in, in accordance with their theological, you know, belief system. Um, and in those instances where, where, especially when the couple is on the same page, I would say one, I will celebrate that there's mutuality in that belief system. And I think if it's an obligation, you are going to get duty sex. You're going to get what you asked for. And especially for women even if she believes like in her heart that this is something that I'm going to choose to do yeah, and it is something that I'm mutual and consensual. Don't going to do that does not mean that her, you know, we talked about subjective arousal versus genital arousal in her context will have the experience that she might have in those middle categories of the continuum. Um, because like we said, and what was that part one? I don't think the commitment is to intimacy. I don't even think the ask based on the way these questions are being thrown out and the way you're responding to them is for intimacy. It is for an obligation. So she's committed to the obligation. Mm-hmm. We propose that that is not what either party wants. But you will get duty sex if you are presenting the invitation as an obligation, which those two can't, that can't exist. It's an oxymoron. But if you're presenting as an obligation mm-hmm. versus an invitation that can be declined with no punishment or consequences, then what you get is duty. I mean, it's just the natural logical outcome. It, it's not that we're, I don't even know if we're disagreeing with scripture. Although like personally where I'm at on that is I'm, I'm holding it open-handedly and continuing to study because I don't know if I believe that in the whole, that that's where that's going. But even if I did, 
what we're saying is not in disagreement. We're telling you that that's the natural outcome. And what we find in our office is when people present it as a duty obligation or it's owed, if that's the card you play, that's the outcome you get. Mm-hmm. Because that's what you've asked for. I think people want to ask for the obligation and get some other outcome. Yeah, I think, yeah, I'm going to ask that this be our obligation. And I'd really love But I'd like you to show up horny and aroused and desiring. I with want me. eight to ten sex. <laughs> oh, they want eight to ten. That, that went to a whole new level. <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, I trust me, I've, I've seen it and I go, well. That doesn't get eight to ten sex. That's not how the formula works. Yeah. So it's that's rough. I have fallen in love with Destiny Herndon De La Rosa's words. She uses them often from our podcast on New Wave Feminist, which the, the, I know that that's going to taste like vinegar in some people's mouths. But um, when she talked about the thing that she is fighting against, she does it by trying to make it unnecessary. That's what I would propose here. If that is your belief system, I'm. I, it's not even my job to judge or change it. I'm simply saying it's problematic in the way that it plays out. So make it unnecessary. Like that's what we're trying to do with these couples. The problem is to make it unnecessary, I think you have to address that scarcity stuff. Because mm-hmm. as long as that's bubbling underneath for either partner, I think the other spouse can sense it and it just keeps it in that duty place. Mm-hmm. It is so hard to walk that thing backwards until you address the scarcity mindset of the spouse that is holding on to that card just in case. Yeah. So it's not even that I want to flip their belief systems. I really want to make it necessary to choose to believe whatever they want, but whatever card they play, and if their spouse knows they've got it hanging out in the background, it just impacts the dynamic in the relationship. So maybe our invitation would be you get to, you get to, you get to choose what you believe that doesn't change the logical outcome of what you put into the space. Maybe we reframe it to make it unnecessary. Yeah. Yeah. And if that's the case, then I think you can invest and be intentional about having more of that, you know, three to seven sex. Yeah. Um, and that makes it more possible. Cause I don't, I don't know how it is otherwise. I, I don't either. I do not either. Because then it could be a commitment. The commitment is to the obligation. Yeah. Um, another question, what books do you recommend? Oh yeah. We did get a lot of those, didn't we? Yeah. Uh, books and resources. So we'll, we put the link to the book that we're teaching from total intimacy in the show notes for every single one on the series, because it is the one that's broken out this concept map, but we mentioned a lot of other authors. You go first. We talked a lot about Dr. Emily Nagotsky. Um, that's N-A-G-O-S-K-I. Um, and she wrote the book, come as you come at, as you are. Um, it's a great book. Uh, she's such a great book of her female sexuality for, for female sexuality. That's really, um, based and and really good. Um, she also co-wrote a book with her sister, Amelia Nagoski, um, called burnout, which 
you know, if one of the number one reasons that women, um, one of the number one obstacles for women is sleep and stress. So, um, I think burnout's a good one. I also think everybody should read that coming out of the pandemic. We've mentioned it on other podcasts. Your turn. Um, some other good ones. Uh, Lori Mintz wrote, um, Becoming Cliterate. Um, so another great female sexuality book. Um, that talks about just, you know, emotional, relational, physiological, um, realities for female sexuality. Um, Ian Kerner wrote, she comes first. Um, it's the, the, like his, the thinking man's guide to pleasuring a woman. Um, it's helpful. Very helpful. I like his writing a lot and I recommend it. Um, so those are some good ones. What else would you add? Yeah. Um, anything by Cliff and Joyce Penner, mm-hmm. even some of their oldies or goodies, um, but they've, they've updated some of them. Um, love and sex by Nancy Houston. Oh yeah. So she good. did a great job of, of giving people, a um, a good foundation and primer oh, to so doing intimacy. Yeah. Both emotionally and physically well. Mm-hmm. Um, if you are struggling with um, emotional intimacy. I, I really would suggest using some of Brene Brown's work and doing the individual work. Um, her and her sisters did a great summer series. Sister Strong, is that they called it? Sister Strong? I think so. Where they like walked through the book Gifts of Imperfection um, for the 10 year anniversary. So, and they did it in a really neat way. So you can like read the book and then listen to them talk about their own stories with the Gifts of Imperfection. And it, it just is great. So I do find that like if, if you are catching wind that you're going to have to do some emotional work to make sex the best, <laughs> then, then I think she really does teach well. She's the big vulnerability lady and she does such a great job. Those are probably my big ones. There's, there's always good ones depending on the issue, but those are the ones. It's a good I think, start. Um, when sex hurts. Yes. Oh gosh. Thank you. Pain stuff. Yeah. If someone's experiencing sexual pain, when sex hurt is such a great primer to just feel like you have basic knowledge and kind of help you start the journey to solving those things, mm-hmm. finding the right people. It's very validating. Talks about how hard it is to find people to help you. And so it just helps shortcut that. So I think that's amazing. Yeah. That's a good one too. Yeah. Those would be some good starts. I mean, there's, there's a lot that I'd probably add, but some good starts. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we got a handful of questions and we'll end with kind of, uh, answering these together, which is like, how do you know when you need help? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And we, uh, I think we've nodded to this a little bit in the series and there's, there's a point where education, it's not that it's not helpful, but you know, it has its limits. And so when is, you know, book a podcast, um, good enough and great and we yeah. got we got which is why we, we do this we hope it is yeah we hope it is a, a tremendous resource um and then when does it move into these are typically my slash our words when you get into problem solving for a specific issue um I think that's when you need the the professional to to step in so the the sex therapist the trauma therapist um, the coach, um, I think that's when, you know, like obviously trauma, um, when trauma's present, um, sexual pain, but I even think, um, you know, we talked about the work <laughs> that this takes 
it's such a experiential applied relational dynamic and we um we get in our own way we, we often have, can't see past the end of our own nose. we can't see past and this is this is us too y'all we we need the outside hey we do these too. things let's just go and put like yeah. we are unashamed we have therapists personal therapists we we will go to couples therapy we have coaches yeah we are not just because we know how to do this doesn't mean we go out and totally. and skip the skip of getting our own help Exactly. And so I think we need the person to sit with us as individuals, if it's individual work or us as a couple and go, hey, this is what I see. This is what you need to do. Um, Perhaps consider, you know, that kind of thing. Um, So one, I would say, I think sometimes people are looking for how bad does it have to get before you go? And I think, wrong question. don't let it get bad. How fast can we afford to invest in our sex life and marriage and individual work? I mean, like, don't, yeah, don't wait for the, something to catch fire. Yeah. Do it. I mean, I honestly do it when you're in a season where, you know, you have more capacity than when the house is burning down and typically you don't have as much, um, to give to the process. And again, go then too, please. But yeah, please don't. Um, but I think then, it's, but... it's an investment, um, and doing our own work, um, I think is a, a gift to our spouse. Um, talk about an accelerator. I think that's a great one to turn on for me, but I'm a therapist. Um, so yeah, I think, um, obviously there's a specific sexual dysfunction, there's trauma, there's pelvic floor pain. That's, that's not going to be a, a book or a podcast. I think you need to go get professional help. Um, but I think, you know, we are sex experts. We are communication experts, um, who also hire our own experts to help us. Like you need that person to, to be the unbiased um, mirror to help you go, oh, aha, there's where I'm getting in my own way. And, and then in turn hurting my spouse in the process. So let's, let's work on that and turn that around. So yeah. that's what I would say. Um, yeah. Or I, I don't know. It's and, because I think you're talking about this. I would just say it maybe in slightly different words so we can catch the other half of the people that may need it. Like, if you're working through this information and you get stuck, which would start the problem solving. But like if there are some people that really can figure out a lot of stuff without help, but if you get stuck, um, get help. And uh, I'll just go ahead and address the biggest hurdle. A lot of people don't realize that this is an investment too. And so mm-hmm. just don't avoid it because it feels like it's a big investment. Plan for it. Prioritize it. And then make it happen. So, um, and our team, for those who are, you know, it's a good fit. Our team's available. Aspen House Associates. We have lots of sex therapists and trauma-informed individual therapists that are excellent. We also offer the marriage coaching program, which uh, in three parts actually does address most of these things. So, um, very excited. Love, love, love that work. So, mm-hmm. Okay, friends, as we wrap up, what's your takeaway? Mm, yeah. Oh, there's so many because I'm thinking about the whole like series. Um, but I'm thinking about today too and just um, what a, what a just, I don't know, like how, how complex our sexuality is. Um, and I 
think we can get so bogged down by the process and the work and all of it. And I think when you can reframe, like it's this, it's such a privilege and an honor and it can be actually kind of fun even in the process to, to be able to, One, I think, do this for yourself, but I, I personally, I just love doing this work, whether it's giving information or um, helping people yeah. um, in groups or individually um, address this issue. So I just, that's my big takeaway. It's just, it, it's so exciting and it fires me up and I love um, just stepping into the space and, and helping where we can. So what would you say? Um, probably the same. This whole series has been fun for me. Um, this is the stuff that I love and am passionate about. And I, I am thankful for the podcast that we can disseminate good information. We do not write this information. Um, but we've curated it, we've studied it, we practice it, we teach it, we use it in therapy and coaching. I'm thankful for a platform where we can disseminate it further along with a bunch of other wonderful people mm-hmm. and try to help couples flourish. Like I'm, I'm grateful. I'm just feeling that in this moment. Mm-hmm. Me too. Thank you for joining us. Arable Podcast is hosted by Jenna Mountain and Kimberly Galindo. And edited and co-produced by Chris Vargas and hosted on Podbean. You can find us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Visit our website, arablepodcast.com, and find Arable Podcasts on Instagram or Facebook. You can also find both of us on Facebook. You can find me, Kimberly Galindo, on Instagram at the Kimberly Galindo. And me, Jenna Mountain, on Instagram at the Jenna Mountain.